It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Let's go back to Mark chapter 5. We may, we may end up over here in Luke 17. But let, let's go back to Mark chapter 5. This is prayer, faith, and healing class. Actually, we could also kind of give it a subtitle and basically just learning to receive from God. Amen. You know, let me just say this because so many times we're, uh, you know, we're religiously brainwashed instead of New Testament taught. And thank God we're getting more and more New Testament taught. But God greatly desires for you to receive from Him. He is not, I think some people have an idea that God just holds back and holds back and holds back, you know, till the last possible moment and then, you know, just, just you know, ha- let you hang over the fire and, and uh, in a situation or a circumstance and then, you know, may, then just maybe He might come and bail you out. Well, that's not true at all. Uh, that's absolutely untrue. I mean, God, God is a good God and God wants you to receive from Him. Now, now just, just consider this for a moment. Uh, uh, not receiving from God brings Him no glory. And, and God wants to be glorified in the earth so people will know who He is and can receive from Him. But not receiving from God brings Him no glory. And God's interested in His glory being manifested in the earth. So why in the world would He want anybody not to receive from Him? Now, now we think about the mo- the mo- what's the most important thing we could ever receive from God? Uh, the new birth, being born again. Well, it'd be ludicrous to get up here and say, well, you know, God will withhold that from some. some. There are some that, you know, may want to be born again, but, you know, God may withhold that from them. Well, the Bible says that it's His will that all would be saved. Well, if salvation, you know, if you do a little study in in your concordances, you'll find salvation literally means healing, preservation, soundness, safety, and deliverance. Then when it comes to healing, well, what's God's will when it comes to healing? Well, He wants everyone to be healed. You know, the simple prayer that Jesus taught the disciples, uh, we, which, which, you know, a lot of traditional religious people call the Lord's Prayer. Amen. We call John 17 the Lord's Prayer around here. But in that prayer that he, saw, he taught his disciples, he said, uh, uh, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, is there sickness or disease in heaven? No. Is there poverty and lack in heaven? No. Is there depression in heaven? None of that's in heaven, and so it's the will of God that the very same atmosphere that's in heaven be on the earth, that there not be sickness and disease, that there not be poverty and lack, that His people would learn how to operate by faith, live by faith, so that they can bring these provisions into their life. Amen? Now, let's go back to Mark chapter 5. We were looking at this last week, and it's it's good to be able to, to, to stay in one area for a while, especially as it's... You know, as you just kind of allow the Holy Ghost to, to unravel it and unfold it and give you understanding. Uh, in, in verse 25 again, it says, There was a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and suffered many things of many physicians. Now, had spent all that she had was nothing better but rather grew worse. When she'd heard of Jesus, uh, came in the press behind him, touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Straight away or immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body she was healed of the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press, said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? 
He looking round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith, thy faith, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. Now, one of the things we talked about last week, which I think really bears repeating, is this. The access issue, where people would look at this portion of Scripture in the Bible and make the determination that, well, you know, if Jesus were here, I'd, I'd get my healing. I'd go touch the hem of His garment. I'd do that. So we literally put the access issue many times in front of our faith thinking that our access is different, that, we had, that, that, that they had a greater access to Him. That, you know, He's walking around physically. You know, He's walking around anointed by the Holy Ghost and, and, and just, you know, healing people and blessing people. So first of all, many times, it's the access issue that people struggle with. I've heard people say it before. Well, if only Jesus were here. Well, when you begin to understand redemption, understand the realities of redemption, you'll understand that access to Jesus or access to the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ is greater for us now than it even was for them when Jesus physically walked upon the earth. Now, see, a lot of people right there, that's where, that's where you lose a lot of people. A lot of people, well, nah, I don't know if I believe that or not because, you know, if he was walking on the earth, I'd get a miracle. In reality, that attitude right there tells off on you. <laughs> it kind of tells off on you because... The Bible talks about in John chapter 1, being the he being the Word. You know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. John 1, 14 says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Listen, our access to the Heavenly Father, where it was very restricted back then, is literally wide open now. But we have moved over into another dispensation. Everybody say dispensation. Now, you've got to understand what the word dispensation means. Dispensation means a set period of time in which particular laws and principles work in a certain way. Now, let me explain this to you. If you thought, say you were raised as a Jewish person, and, you, and so you know, in your religion of, uh, of Judaism, you studied the feast days, you studied the priesthood, you studied the sacrifices, and so you kind of thought, well, you know, Man, I, I've done some things I, I need forgiveness from, so I need to find me a temple somewhere where they offer sacrifices. Now, if you, you'll not find one, which is very unusual, because the inability of the Jewish religion to carry its traditions into this dispensation, literally this dispensation of grace stopped all of that. If you go to a traditional uh, 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 synagogue today, it is nothing like what you find in the law. It's nothing like what you find in law. Even though they do maintain some of the, some of the uh, uh, what do you call them, rabbinical laws when it comes to diet. There's kosher food. There's certain ways of doing things. There's certain days to them that are holy. But in actually taking a ram or a lamb into the, in, into the temple and cutting that animal's throat and let that blood bleed out on the altar and for a priest to go in there with that sacrifice, and for all of the incense and the anointing oils and all of the different sacrifices, that's all gone. That's gone. It's not even around anymore. Amen? So if a real person actually tried to practice the Jewish religion as it is, they couldn't do it because those laws of that dispensation no longer operate and work. So we're in a new dispensation. Now, understand this. 
Jesus walked into that dispensation. Did you hear what I just said? And he literally operated in several covenants. He operated in David's covenant. Remember what the, uh, the, uh, 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 the lepers cried out? Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Operated in, operated in Abraham's covenant. Remember the woman that was bowed over 18 years watching this daughter of Abraham be loosed? Amen. So he was walking in the covenants of those dispensations. But listen, when he rose from the dead, and especially on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was poured out, and the beginning of the, uh, of the church, a new dispensation, Jesus actually coined the phrase, got it from the book of Isaiah, and basically said, here's what this dispensation is called. It is called the acceptable year of the Lord. And the acceptable year of the Lord is a better covenant. Everybody say better covenant. Based on better promises. Everybody say better promises. That's in Hebrews chapter 7. So we have a better covenant based on better promises, and we live in a better dispensation where our access is not as limited as their access was. You say, what do you mean? You have greater access to the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ in, in, in April of 2017 than they ever had when Jesus walked on the earth. Now see, our, our religious mind can't grasp that. Because if some guy came walking in the back with long hair and a white robe, amen, because they do from time to time. One, I remember one came to uh, uh, one of Brother Hagin's meetings one time, and you know he was, had long hair and a white robe and sandals, and he, he met with him in the back, and they sent Larry Hutton to deal with him. So that's, that's how I know about it. And so uh, uh, he goes back, and, uh, and he says, uh, yeah. He says, you're Jesus Christ. He says, I'm Jesus Christ. I'm Jesus. He had a little woman with him, and she goes, he's Jesus. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, okay, Jesus, uh, you know, what are you doing here? He says, well, I've come to share the pulpit with Brother Hagin. And he said, well, you know, that's probably not going to happen. And when he said that, the guy got violent, started swinging at him, you know. And uh, didn't act very much like Jesus, you know. What would Jesus do? <laughs> so they drug him out of there kicking and screaming, Amen. You must understand and realize dispensations afford us certain laws and the reality of those laws. Now, what's unique about the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was transitional. He stood between two, he stood between two dispensations. So when anybody took a principle from a coming dispensation and acted on it or walked in it, he loved that. He said, that's so cool. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? When the woman touched him and the power of God flowed out of him and her body was healed, he didn't even know who the woman was. He started looking around in the crowd. One translation uh, says this. He began to look through the crowd and examine their faith. He could look and tell, and he saw this woman who was standing there trembling under the power of God. And he said, there she is right there. And he said, come here and tell us what happened. Well, she got up there and began to say just what the Scriptures are. I was a woman, had an issue of blood 12 years, suffered many things, of many physicians, spent all the money I had, wasn't any better, got, but I got worse. But I heard about you, Jesus. I heard about you. And when I heard about you, I began to tell everybody that would listen, I'm going to go touch the hem of his garment. When I do, I'm going to be healed. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. When I do, I'm going to be healed. And you know what Jesus said about that? Jesus said, that's faith right there. Your faith has made you whole. So what we do religiously, we say this, Jesus healed a woman with the issue of blood. 
That's what we say, religion. Jesus healed a woman with the issue of blood. Jesus, no, a woman with the issue of blood got healed by Jesus. Amen? A woman with an issue of blood got healed by Jesus, which shows us we have two great things going for us in this dispensation, and that is access and choice. Now, I don't want to say this to be cruel to anybody, to hurt anybody, to harm anybody in any way, because we are in business to help people. But I'm going to tell you why people don't get healed. They don't choose to be healed. They don't choose to be healed. You say, what do you mean they don't choose? They come to church, they have hands laid on, they want to be healed. You've got to choose to be healed. And in choosing to be healed, many times you choose a whole new life. You choose a whole new life. Your life is no longer the life that it used to be. You have a life of serving God. You have a life of living for God. You have a life of loving God. You have a life in which your life literally gets totally entwined with God. Many of, the, many of the great testimonies that I've ever heard of people that cried out to God on a, uh, in a crisis situation. I know of one particular gentleman who's a pastor. He's been a pastor for many years. He's had a great church, great ministry. He was shot five times in a robbery. Uh, they shot him four times, knocked, knocked him down on the floor, and then stood over him and shot him in the head. And when they did that, you know, you pretty much figure this guy would be dead. He cried out to God and said, this is what he said, Save me and I'll serve you. Amen. Now, don't you know that God knew his heart right then and there? That he knew if I save this guy, he'll serve me. I'll say, how many, guys, how many other guys have been shot and cried out to God, laid on the floor and died? Because God knew. I save him, he's going to go right back doing what he's been doing the whole time. Many times we don't understand God judges our heart and sees our heart. And sees that if I heal that individual, they have no they, they have no intention whatsoever ever doing anything in, uh, for the kingdom, ever doing anything in life, ever do ever doing anything that will promote goodness, justice, the blessing of God that would increase the kingdom. How can God take and release His great power into anyone's life who's not willing to use it correctly? You say, what do you mean by that? A person that's just been healed of a disease has just been empowered by God with a story of how it happened. You see what I'm saying? Now, so everybody say access. We have access and we have choice. So those two things, access and choice. Access and choice. There's, there, there's people that come that, 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 that hear the gospel message preached. I just got off the phone with, uh, with, with Christopher Ollum. He's going to uh, three or four different crusades. He was telling me about a couple of crusades he just in where literally thousands of people, thousands of people made the choice to get saved. Heard the gospel preached saw the signs, the wonders, the miracles, gave the altar call, and thousands of them came and filled the altars. Amen? Well, they made a choice, just like you made a choice to serve God. Now, with access and choice, we have to carry it to the next level, and that's knowledge. If you have access and choice, then you have knowledge. Because if you have access and choice, you're going to have to have knowledge of what your access and choice is. And a lot of people are just not hungry enough for the knowledge. They're too busy dealing with the problem. Now, this woman here, we, we looked at this last week, her problem. We could categorize it in four ways. A spiritual problem, physical problem, financial problem, mental problem. Now listen, dealing with problems will exhaust you. It'll wear you out. Dealing with problems will emotionally wreck you. Dealing with problems can financially bankrupt you. 
People say, well, I don't have any choice. I've got to deal with this problem. Well, that's all good and true and well for every person on the planet. But you have to come to the place in your life where you realize that you are unable to do anything about your situation. And in your inability to do anything about your situation, make the decision to turn to God so God can do something about your situation. Amen? Uh, there's so many times in our lives, Lee and I's lives, where we've looked at situations that, that, that it's just impossible. If we could do something, we couldn't do it. <laughs> you understand that? Even if we could do something, we couldn't do it. And when you come to that point, I believe that's why it took Abram, Abraham 25 years. Because he still had hope in his own ability. I'm going to pull this off. And then everything quit working. And when everything quit working, what was the only thing left? Now that's our biggest problem right there. We wait till everything else quits working. I mean, we, I mean, we just, you know, like, like one guy said, said, well, uh, uh, I think we ought to pray. The other guy said, has it come to that? Now, that is a good picture of the human mindset when it comes to God. Well, if we've, we've exhausted every avenue, we've done everything we can do, maybe somebody ought to pray a prayer. Amen. Where you really don't have to live by that. So much of your life of faith can be preventative instead of recovery. I'm going to say that again. That, that bears saying again. So much of your life of faith can be preventative instead of recovery. So much of what we've taught about faith, especially on the subject of healing, has been recovery. Recovery. I'm sick. I need to get healed. Amen. But you understand, if you'll prepare yourself spiritually, then recovery many times is not something that you enter into it's resistance. There's a difference between resistance and recovery. This woman here was in recovery, but she did not live in our dispensation. Jesus hadn't died on the cross. He hadn't taken the stripes on his back for her healing. She got it by credit. Actually, she got it by identity because she was part of Abraham's family. And if you go read uh, Deuteronomy 28, that's part of their covenant. I will bless them that bless you. I'll curse them that curse you. I am the God that healeth thee. Amen. That, that, that was part of their covenant. But now we have a purchased plan. You ever, you ever buy something and they want to sell you a, uh, you know, like a warranty or a, uh, you know, even, I mean, you buy, I bought some little, what was, I bought something the other day. Some little old battery operated nothing. I forget what it was. And they wanted to sell me this plan, this three-year protection plan. Amen. And I thought to myself, I probably want to have this thing three months, but it's three years, you know. But, you know, every one of them, we buy electronic things, our cars, our homes. We buy, these, we buy these programs or these things that ensure if something happens, they're going to take care of it. Well, Jesus purchased a protection plan for us. He gave us a warranty. You say, what is that warranty? It's the Word of God. 
Listen, it's our healing, it's our prosperity, it's our joy, it's our peace, it's everything that we need here on the earth to live in life and godliness. The precious promises reveal it. Listen, when we recognize and realize it, then what we need to do. Every time we something goes wrong, I think what we have, an ice maker went wrong or something like that. Leah's got this big book of, of, of warranties, and, and she starts digging in that book, digging in that book, finding out if we're covered. Amen? Well, I've got good news, church. You're covered. I said, you're co- here's your big book. you got to start going through the pages of your big book and find out where you're covered. Amen? Insurance. I say it's not an insurance policy. It's an assurance policy. But then you got to operate according to what it says. Amen? Leah, clean the ice machine. <laughs> but we're right back after Christmas. And uh, you're supposed to rinse the soap out of it. And so I drank soapy ice for about a week. And I could tell something was wrong with me. <laughs> tell it right. You didn't know. She didn't have a filter. Okay, there was no filter. She left the old filter in, thinking that she could keep the filter in there. But the filter was full of the soap. We had white ice. That made me feel like I was on acid. (laughs) I was walking around going, what is wrong with me? Well, it was the ice, so I started buying ice. Then we went back and read the manual. And ordered the filter. And I got healed. <laughs> I could feel every one of my teeth. It was the strangest sensation. <laughs> it was terrible. But that's the way the Word is. We've got to get into the Word of God. We've got to see specifically how it works. We've got to make application of it to our specific problem. We've got to, we've got to anticipate the answer. And, and believe, God, that it's ours already, which the Word of God empowers us to do that, and then walk in the light and the reality of it. Listen, there, there's so much quick-fix mentality in our society and in our world. Quite, you know, you, you could, things, things that used to take uh, a lot to do has been reduced down to uh, where it really just takes... I've got a couple of projects that I need to do that, that if I do it uh, the old-school way, it's going to really take a long time to do it. So we, uh, we were watching a commercial about, what was it, the, the Flex Seal. You got the Flex Seal tape. You know, you can cut a boat in half and, and put the tape on. You can paint the bottom. You can take a, put a screen door on an airboat and, and, and paint the bottom with Flex Seal and take off in the airboat, you know. So I got to thinking about that Flex Seal. So I'm going to order me some Flex Seal because I can do these things a lot quicker with that Flex Seal than doing it the way I should do it. I've got a shortcut. That's the convenience of the technology that we live in today. And every, it's out there in every way. I mean, we've got instant this, we've got automatic that. I mean, I remember when I was a little boy, the first time I saw the commercial for the instant coffee. I believe it was Nescafe. That kind of, that'll kind of date you right there, amen? When they actually put this powder in this cup and poured this stuff, and then right on the heels of that came Tang. 
My grandma Martin, she was a Tang freak. I mean, I, how many remember Tang? You know, put the powder in the and just uh, that that you, you don't have to squeeze oranges no more. You don't have to do none of that. You just put the powder in the glass, put the water to it. So our whole life has been inundated to the point now. My goodness, you used to have to be at home to get a phone call. Amen. So I'm going to give you a call. Well, I'll go home. Wait for your call. Come on. I'm going to go home. I'm going to wait for your call. No more. You just grab your phone. Hello. You at home? No. Nope, not at home. All of that convenience, it gives us great comfort. But the problem is God has not built that into his word. The Bible is still a system of truth that has to be operated and lived in the way it was created. There are no shortcuts to it. There's no ways to go around it. You still must believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, make confessions of faith, stand on the Word of God, allow the Word of God to convince you of the reality of its ability to take care of the problem that's in your life. There's no shortcut to it. And even when it comes to the miraculous, the signs and wonders and miracles of that which God desires to do through the power of God and the gifts of the, of the Spirit, much of that is geared toward the world. It's not geared toward the church. We want it in the church. Oh, let brother so-and-so come or sister so-and-so, and they'll do signs. It's a shame that the church has to be healed before it goes to the world. But the church has a way of living and walking in the Word of God where all of those things are used as the, as the armament and as the, uh, as the how, can I, how can I say it, as the, uh, 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 the net that we use to bring the lost in. You want to get lost people saved? Do a crusade where, the, where a bunch of people get healed. Talking to Christopher Olimar earlier, he talks about the blind that get healed, the cripples that walk, the lame that walk. All of, these, all of this happens in front of these people. Then he steps up and says, do you want this same Jesus that healed this blind man? And all of them know the blind man because he's lived with them all his life. Do you want the same Jesus that healed, the, that healed the, uh, uh, the crippled lady? Do you want this Jesus? And then he gets up and says, he will help you to go to heaven. You'll go to heaven instead of going to hell. Well, that's easy. That's what those miraculous things are designed for, to operate properly. But God in His mercy and His grace allows it to operate in the church also. But even though you may get a great miracle from God, you're still going to have to keep it by faith, by developing your faith. So we said the simple principle, and it's so simple. Everybody say, she heard, she said, she did, then she felt. Say it again, she heard, she said, she did, then she felt. See, we want to feel first. That's our problem. We're so geared to our feelings. But she heard what she hear. Well, Jesus, whatever it was about Jesus. You know, if you'll go study in the Gospels, after what this woman did, there were multitudes of people that got healed by touching the hem of his garment. One, one literal story in the, in the gospel says, and all that touched the hem of his garment were made perfectly whole. Her faith inspired faith in other people to act upon that, and they got a miracle from Jesus. Amen. So we see faith is informational, and it's also inspirational. Amen. Now, let's look at this. We may try to make it over to Luke. I don't know if we will or not. Maybe. Let, 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 look. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Now, let me just say this. I've heard people say this several times. Well, he knew who did it. God knows everything. Well, listen, if he knew who did it, 
and he used that phrase, then there's an element of deceit in God. There's no element of deceit in God. He is absolute truth. Amen. So he didn't know it. He's looking around to see who did it. He said, uh, and the disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me. He looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, now notice this, fearing, trembling, knowing. Everybody say, fearing, trembling, knowing. Knowing. Amen. So that's where many times faith gets confused is in the knowing. Because this woman... Her knowing was after the power was released. After she heard, after she said, after she touched, after she felt, she knew. Did you get that? After she heard, after she said, after she touched, after she felt, she knew. Now, what did we say earlier? She was in a different Dispensation. Now, we're over here in another dispensation where that word knowing is no longer at the end of this equation. That word knowing is at the front of this equation. Remember, we're in a different dispensation. Dispensations are based on absolute truths and realities that work in that dispensation. So what we have now, because, remember, this woman healed of this disease and these three other issues in her life was not born again at the time. That means her spirit man on the inside was segregated from God. She knew what had happened to her because of the experience. Now let me try that again. She knew what happened to her because of the experience. We take that word knowing and we put it up on the front of our equation because we know what has happened to us because of the word. Let me say that again. We know what has happened to us because of the word. That's why you can get up with pain still in your body and say, I know I'm healed. That's why you can get up with no money in your bank account and say, I know God supplies all of my need according to in glory by Christ. I know He does. Where's your money? I'm not looking at my money. I'm looking at God. Where's your healing? I'm not looking to feel. I'm looking to know. Knowing is now the preeminent thing. Here it was at the end. But now you have the life of God in you. Now you have the power of God in you. Now, your spirit man on the inside is united to God where hers wasn't at the time. And because of that, God, by His word, imparts unto you knowing. Knowing. Everybody say knowing. Well, what if I know something that doesn't happen? You've got to always be able to tell when the Adamic nature that you've been delivered out of is trying to encroach on your new in Christ realities. That's the old you trying to create a question in you that you shouldn't have to answer. What if it doesn't happen? I never, I, I've learned over the years never to pay attention to those thoughts. Don't ever pay attention to those thoughts. Because those thoughts will rob you of the provision of God. Those thoughts will rob you. They'll get into your soul. They'll cause you to begin to make the wrong choices. They'll cause you to feel the wrong way. They'll cause you to think the wrong way. And you'll begin to look at faith 
as an optional thing in life that may or may not work. And this is exactly where religion plays into Religion loves to play into it on parts like this. Religion will play into it based on, well, uh, you know, God is sovereign. So he might not have chosen you to be healed. He chose you to be healed 2,000 years ago. When he included you to be born in this dispensation, he chose you to be healed 2,000 years ago. He chose you to be saved 2,000 years ago. He chose you to be delivered 2,000 years ago. He chose you to be prosperous 2,000 years ago. He chose all that. He knew when you'd be alive. He knew when you'd be on this planet. He knew you would be here. He knew the access you had. He knew the covenant you have. He knew the dispensation you'd walk in. So he wants you to know. Now, for just a moment, how does this work? We've used the illustration many times, the difference between believing and knowing. I always do this and people get kind of crazy. But anyway... This crowd pretty much knows it. When we ask the question, how many believe I'm here? How many believe I'm here? Do you believe I'm here? And most people, I believe you're there. I see you right there. You do not believe I'm here. Not one person in this church today believes I'm here. Well, I believe you're there. No, you don't. You know I'm here. There's the difference. You say, what do you mean by that? You contact me with senses, sight, hearing. Everybody here is contacting me with sight and hearing, sight and hearing, sight and hearing. Your senses are telling you he's there. He's there. There he is right there. There he is. You don't believe I'm here. You know I'm here. You don't believe I'm here. You know. So senses do what? Senses help affirm that which you know. Are you with me? Senses help affirm that which you know. But now... Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen? So your senses are not contacting your healing. Say, well, I believe I'm healed. Well, that's good. That's hope. That's hope. But what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So in the absence of your physical feelings telling you I'm healed, Amen? Telling you you're healed. Excuse me. In the absence of your physical feelings, the, the, the nerve endings, the, uh, you know, the pain is still there, the hurt is still there. In the absence of it telling you that you're healed, how can you know you're healed? Faith assures you. It is the substance. We're so used to our five senses being the substance. But faith removes the testimony of the five senses, and it becomes your substance. Amen? That's why you can say, I know. I remember we had a, a pastor friend. He and his wife were friends of ours for many years. And she, uh, uh, what was it? I, I think it was a malignant tumor in her brain, Trina. Malignant tumor in the front lobe of her brain, inoperable, gave her a death sentence. So they, they, they got in that hospital room. They began to worship God. And, you know, all kind of people want to say all kind of negative things. So they, they put a sign on the door that said, no wavering. And Trina's real given to music. She's a, she's a beautiful singer and songwriter. And, and they wrote several, I would call them spiritual songs. And one of them was called, I Know. 
I mean, every day they'd come in there and show the x-ray where the brain tumor was. Every day they'd come in there and talk about its malignancy. Every day. But they just kept saying, I know, I know, I know I'm here. I know, I know, I know. You know, they walked in there one day and that thing was gone. They couldn't find it. They couldn't find it on x-ray. They couldn't find it. But you know, there were many days there where they just were, I know, I know, I know. Paul said it like this, I know in whom I believe. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've delivered unto him against that day. The ability of the Word of God to convince you of what you know. I know I'm healed. I know I'm prosperous. I know I'm blessed. I know I'm saved. I don't believe I'm saved. I know I'm saved. But I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth so that I might know. Did you get that? So this woman, many times we draw so much and we want to pattern everything exactly after that and wonder why it doesn't happen that way. The reason that it doesn't is because we are in a different dispensation. Yes, we need to hear the Word. Yes, we need to speak the Word. Yes, we need to act on the Word. Yes, we need to receive from God. But where she did not know till after the experience took place, we by faith knows we know before anything ever happens. We know it. Everybody say, we know it. I mean, I, we're building this building out here. I know we're going to build it. I don't believe we are. I know it. I know it. I've acted in faith on it, and I know it. And you can come up with other, well, do you have the money? Well, I'm not even thinking about that. Do you have this? Do you have that? You know, I mean, we've literally looked at all the other options, and we don't have but one, and that's to trust God and to know. Everybody say to know. And see if you can get people... You, if you get people together in a corporate setting that everybody knows, then you have corporate faith. That's exactly what Paul talked about in what 2 Corinthians 6. He says, uh, we having the same spirit of faith. Everybody say spirit of faith. Uh, that which we see, we also speak. So we speak the same thing. Why? Because we know the same thing. Everybody knows the same thing. So what he says in 1 Corinthians, he says that we all speak the same thing. There'd be no division among us. He's literally talking about you've all got to say the same thing that the Word of God is saying or else you will divide it with your unbelief. Amen? So this woman knew afterwards. But now notice this. I'll close with this. Listen to what this says. The woman fearing and trembling, uh, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. He said unto her daughter, everybody say daughter, thy faith has made thee whole, Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, this was an excellent opportunity for Jesus to say, I've healed you. For Jesus to turn around and say, didn't I tell you I was anointed? Didn't I say the Spirit of the Lord's upon me? He's anointed me. Preach the gospel to the poor. Set at liberty them that were bruised. Amen. There it is right there. I'm anointed. She got it. I'm anointed not what he said he said your faith everybody say your faith now what's really neat if you read in between the lines we talked about her four conditions her having a physical spiritual emotional and financial condition so the first thing Jesus said to her was what daughter now that listen that could have been daughter of Abraham Isaac and Jacob that could have meant daughter of David's lineage. I don't know. It could have meant daughter of God. I don't know what it was. But after 12 years of saying unclean, 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 her spiritual condition needed to be healed. And whatever word that she needed that word to be when he, she said, when he said daughter, that healed her spiritually. That put her back in her covenant dispensation. 
Are you with me? Then he said this, thy faith. So he's identifying, I like this, faith as a personal possession. Amen? They gave me this pretty watch when I was in the Philippines. It's actually a watch made in the Philippines. But it's my watch. It's not your watch. I'm not going to give it to you. It's my watch. Meaning what? I personally possess it. It was given to me. I've got other watches that I've bought. I mean, I'm, see, we, we take all this for granted sometimes, but we really need to secure this in our, in our spirit. It's your faith. You can talk about the pastor's faith, Pastor Leah's faith, some other preacher's faith, but it's your faith. That's why we must understand we are responsible as believers for our own life of faith. A lot of people just don't get that. They're just like, well, you know, if I need it, I'll go to church. If I do, You can't do that. You've got to make a decision. I am responsible for my own life of faith. It'll be my faith that gets me my answer. It'll be my faith that'll get me my miracle. You see what I'm talking about? Thy faith has made thee whole. Now, that word whole is a great word, especially in the Hebrew language. That word whole means, it's the word shalom, which means the entire assembly of parts put back together. Amen? So whatever parts had been destroyed, Jesus began the process of restoration. Thy faith has made thee whole. Now, I love this one. Jesus says to her, go in peace. Now, how many years has she hadn't had any peace? Since her first diagnosis, there hadn't been any peace whatsoever. So Jesus says, what? Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, he healed her physically. That's the first thing, knowing that was done here. He healed her spiritually. He healed her financially. That We can get that, pull that out of the word whole. He healed her, healed her mentally. We can pull that out of the word peace. But what was her confession? When I touch his garment, I shall be healed. I shall be whole. You know, she said, hey, man, this thing's wrecked my life. This thing has wrecked me spiritually. This thing has wrecked me mentally. This thing has wrecked me financially. And this thing has wrecked me physically. And, and, and I may get healed. If I get healed, I'm still going to be in a mess financially. I'm still going to be in a mess spiritually. I'm still going to be in a mess mentally. I need wholeness. And see, a lot of times people segregate their problem to a particular area of their life, not realizing that that problem is kind of like an octopus. It has, it has legs in all kinds of areas of your life. All kinds of areas. And where many times we're just seeking a touch or a healing in one specific place, it's the will of God to make you whole. To make you whole. Now, that's where I was going to go take off and, and go look over at the, at the, at the lepers. We'll, we'll pick that up next week. Because what's unique about the lepers is nine of them were healed, but one of them was made whole. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and... and, 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 and show it to you this week, uh, tell it to you this week, and then we'll go look at it scripturally next week. What's unique about its ability to disfigure. There's a disfiguring element to leprosy. It, it eats away. Basically, it goes after soft tissue, but there's, there's, there's leprosy that goes after everything. So you lose fingers, you lose 
chunks out of your face, out of your head. It's just horribly disfiguring. So there were nine that were healed, but they bore the scars of their leprosy. But one turned back. Everybody say turned back. Came back to Jesus, and Jesus said, you know, uh, thy faith has made thee whole. That means whatever it was that disfigured him and caused him to bear the scars of what he used to be was removed. So there was a creative element to that healing that removed the years of the, of the, of the disease eating away his physical body. You say, do you really believe that, that, that God put tissue back on, that God put fingers on? Absolutely. John the Revelator said, if all the things that Jesus said and did were put in books, the world itself could not contain it. We just have a very limited copy of that which God, what God wanted us to see, the, the little window he allowed us to look through to see what that was all about. I believe that all of that took place in such a way that when you walked in that area, you'd find ten men, nine of them, you could tell, yeah, I can see that. You used to be a leper. But one of them, you say, I can't ever tell you ever used to be a leper or anything else. And he could say, well, I was not just healed. Actually, the nine, the ten were, the Bible says, cleansed and healed. But only one was made whole. And that's the will of God. Just like the woman in Mark chapter 5, that's the will of God for you. is for God to take the entire assembly of your, the parts of your life and put it together. Not the way it was before you had the problem, but literally if you study the word shalom or wholeness, that, is the, that was the desire of the nation of Israel to go back to the days before the fall. Because there was something about the revelation of Moses that got into that first generation that helped them to understand what it was like before the fall where there was no sickness, no pain, no disease, no poverty, no lack, no problems of any kind. And that's where God wants you is whole. Amen? You learned something today? Lift your hands and thank the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you, Father, that that word in us, just like in the book of Acts, is growing and prevailing, growing over sickness, disease, poverty, lack, depression, whatever it may be, we declare in Jesus' name that word is growing mightily in us. Thanking you, Heavenly Father. Whatever any individual here is doing to build their faith up so that they might receive from you, thank you that your word is helping in Jesus' name. And everyone says... Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.